those of you that are working and ministering to us through the music. I want to thank uh, Miss Janine Dryley and uh, Amelia and Andrew as they are working together. Um, you probably have noticed the past couple of weeks that uh, Jimmy is indeed gone to China. And uh, so you did not see him here on the platform at all. And we are grateful and thankful for the call of God on that young married couple. And we are glad for all that God is doing in our church family as he continues to call people out of it uh, to serve him. And we thank the Lord that he continues to, to send to us those who want to grow in grace, and want to grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus, who want to serve him not to show off, but because he's worthy. And they have a desire for others to be able to know his love and his goodness. Amen. So if you'll open to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, we have reached the beginning. This is the very beginning of our study of 2 Peter, our first week in 2 Peter. More and more, I find that what you need, that what I need, what you need is the Word of God. And what I mean by that is although I do believe that God purposes to use pastors and teachers to expound, to expose, to explain even the Word of God, I believe that the Word of God is quick and powerful. I believe that it is all by itself far more capable than all of the ministers throughout the world. And so I believe it's important that we spend time simply reading it. Now, curiously, what I find is that it is not the most popular um, time in church. Reading the Word of God is not the most popular time when people assemble together, but it ought to be. We ought to look forward to the Word of God itself. In other words, what's interesting is we're about to read a chapter and some of you will know a couple of verses. A couple of verses will stand out probably to you. This is one of those chapters that is probably not one of the most well-known chapters in your Bible. So you might find this more interesting. Ironically, the more we, familiarity breeds contempt is really what I'm saying. The more we know something from the Word of God, the less likely we are to receive what God would have for us. Because we think we already received what God would have for us. Not realizing that His Word never returns unto Him but will always accomplish the work that he wants to accomplish. And you have never seen, you have never seen to the bottom of a passage. Never. Spurgeon said many, many years ago that those who believe that they have seen to the bottom of a passage are only expressing the shallowness of their own mind. And that's wonderfully true. It is wonderfully true that you will never exhaust the Word of God, not anywhere in the Word of God. So let's read together. We'll read, uh, and then perhaps we'll look at a couple of things. Uh, we will read, Lord willing, the plan is to read chapter 2 together next week, and the plan is to read chapter 3 together the week after that, and then we will really begin uh, kind of a preliminary study. But we will look at a couple of verses together today. We'll probably look at a couple of things throughout the book today, but let's read it together. So you follow along as I read aloud. Second Peter chapter 1. Verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us 
through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and, our, and Jesus our Lord. I want to point, I want to point a couple things out as we read through. Maybe, maybe underline grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Grace and peace be multiplied. In a little while, God's going to ask us to add some things to our life. And what you're going to find is you will be able to add where God is willing to multiply. Amen? Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him that hath called you, excuse me, hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Now, I want you to notice this is where we're adding. So that, 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 that grace and peace that's multiplied to us will allow us... Listen, please look up here. It is really important that you understand that in your strength, in your own strength, you are not capable of accomplishing this. And yet, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, these things can be done in your life. And you can decide to allow than to take part in your life. You will have to choose for yourself. If your life is going to be changed, I won't be able to change it. Christ alone will be able to change it, but you alone must allow him to change it. So where he says, and beside all this giving, what does it say? All diligence. What is diligence? What does it mean to be diligent about something? We all recognize that, yes? So here's the thing. You are not going to drift into charity. You're not even going to drift into virtue. Now, you were born again by faith. You were saved by faith. But what we see here is a progression, a growth. In fact, we're going to recognize that the, that the primary emphasis of 2 Peter is the promise of God that you and I can grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we're going to find, that God has given us exceeding great and precious promises. This can be the reality of your life. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. 
For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now look, look up here. I was going to say, how many of you remember when you were a baby Christian? And everything was fresh and everything was wonderful and everything was almost magical. It was just so incredible. The grace of God was so recognizable to your heart and mind. And all you could do is just almost weepingly be thankful and grateful and glad. And you were, and you were ready to grow and to go forward. The irony is probably the greatest hindrance to your growth were others. Others that profess to be Christians. Who, who, I, remember, I remember hearing someone say about a young Christian, oh, don't worry, they'll get over that. And I thought, oh, I hope they don't get over it, right? I hope, I hope you never, if you're, a, if, you're, if you're a young Christian in here today, I hope you never get over how wonderful Jesus is. And I, in fact, I hope you grow in your appreciation of how wonderful the Lord Jesus is. And what you notice is this, if these things be in you, if, if the things that God has done in your life continue to grow by his multiplying grace and peace, if these things continually add in your life, if they be in you and be fruitful in you, then here's what happens. You will have an impact upon those that are around you. Now, Lot is going to be in this book. This is the book in the New Testament that tells us that Lot was a righteous soul. Anybody, anybody want to discuss for a moment Lot's ending in the Old Testament? Anybody want to discuss for a minute what it is that Lot's life ends like? Remember, Lot left with Abraham and followed Jehovah, and things were wonderful in his life. But do you remember when it was time to pick some land? Remember when it was time to pick some land? And Lot looked over, and he saw the cities, and he saw the bright lights, if you were, and all the things over there. And he decided, you know what, I'm going to live over there. And then it says when he lived near there, he built his tent facing that direction. When God goes to rescue him, he's now living there. Yes? Not living close to there. Not living looking toward that direction. He's now living in an ungodly mess. And his, and his relationship with God is so horribly weak that he can't even be used of God to rescue anybody but his own family. And he has to drag them, just his wife and daughters. And his wife turns around on the way out and looks back and dies. And then his girls are going to end up being pregnant by dad. What a, I mean, what a disaster. Yes? What a disaster. It's going to tell us here in Second Peter that this vexed his... Anybody know? Righteous soul. So he was righteous. He was born again. He, was, he believed God. He trusted God for his salvation. This is one of those funerals that pastors have to do where you say, he said this. It wasn't the evidence that we wish there was, but he said this was true in his life. And we hope that that's actually true, that they really were born again, that they really were a new creature. But he had no impact, no godly impact on those around him. And so what God is saying here is this, I want you to know what I've done in your life and I want you to allow me to make such a wonderful change in your life that you are useful to the people around you, that you are profitable to the people around you. Now, if I ask you to raise your hand, and you can if you want to, but how many of you, honestly, how many of you truly want to be useful in the eternity 
of those around you. Anybody want to be, yeah, really, truly, okay. Now listen, here's, the, here's how that happens. That's what this book is about. This book has the promise of growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what this book is about. This is the promise. Now, by the way, to understand this, to really understand what's happening in Second Peter, you put your finger down here and back up one page and you find yourself in First Peter, right? If you turn a couple more pages, you find yourself in the book of James. If you turn a couple more pages, you find yourself in the book of Hebrews. Now go back to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. It's really important that you see this before we continue reading. Hebrews chapter 1. Now, if you're in Hebrews, in my Bible, Hebrews is on the right-hand page. So Philemon is on the left-hand page. Philemon, verse 25, is on the, on the left-hand page. So we have First and Second Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, right? First and Second Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. Does anybody know what those books are? Those books have a, they're, they're, we make reference to them a certain way. Anybody know? They're the pastoral epistles, right? This is where we find out what the church should behave itself like the office of the bishop, the office of the deacon, the actual structure. By the way, we also find out what the goal of the church is, amen? Now, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and a good conscience and faith unfeigned. We learn all of those things in the pastoral epistles. But now, you leave Philemon and you go to Hebrews, and that begins the last section of the epistles themselves. So the only book that's going to be left after we study Hebrews and the book of James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st and 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, after we're done with that study, the only thing left is the book of Revelation. So what are these books? And these books are the reality epistles. These are called the general epistles. But it real, listen, please write, write this. Write this at the beginning of the book of Hebrews. This is the foundation of the reality epistles. What do you really have? Now here's the key. In order for James to demonstrate to you that you really have what God wants to accomplish in your life, you better have the high priest of the book of Hebrews. Do you understand? In order for you to have the life in the book of James that God wants for you to have, the life that you find in 1 Peter and 2 Peter where we are now, in order for this to be the reality of your life, you need the priest that's in Hebrews. You need the priest of the new covenant. Amen? I'm going to just read a little bit. God this is Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the Father by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down, on the right hand of the majesty on high. Amen? So Jesus has done literally everything. And how did he do it, by the way? How did he, you know, what's the key to these first few verses as far as Jesus accomplishing this? What's the key? And this is the answer. By himself. Amen? Peter didn't help. John didn't help. You didn't help. Spurgeon didn't help. Right? David didn't help. Abraham didn't help. John the Baptist didn't help. By himself purged our sins. Praise God. Yes? Yes? Christ hath regarded my helpless estate. That's what we see. Go to 8, Hebrews chapter 8. We don't have time to go through Hebrews. We did study Hebrews before we studied uh, James and 1 Peter. It took us a couple weeks to go through Hebrews. 
Now the things which we have spoken. Now the things which we have spoken. So we're summarizing from that point through seven. <clears throat> now the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a what? High priest. Who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Right? That's what we just saw. A minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. Now, what does he offer, by the way? We're not going to have time to look at all of this. What does he offer? What is the offering that Jesus makes? What is the offering that Jesus gives? And the answer is his own blood. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it truly wonderful? But I want you to recognize of the sum of all of these things, we have such a high priest. You and I have such a high priest. Amen? I'm not that priest. Do you understand? This church is not that priest. Jesus is that priest. Jesus is your high priest. Amen? And you can go boldly to the throne of grace when? Always. Why? Because of the blood of this high priest. So he's not only the offering, he's not only the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world, he is also the priest that makes the offering of that blood. Yes, it is expedient for you that I go away. I must go into the Holy of Holies with the very blood that I'm going to shed and make a payment for you so that I can send forth the Holy Ghost and he will change everything. He will change you from the inside. Turn to the very last chapter, Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And this is how we leave this book and go into the book of James, okay? This is really important that you recognize this and understand this. Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect, right? Make you complete. And every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Yes? Now, what I want you to notice is so everything that's going to happen in your life. So what we have here in Hebrews is this promise. What you have is this promise. You have the promise of this great high priest pouring out into your life a whole new quality of life. Amen? Now, here's the thing. We need to remember this. This is very important. All of the picture in the Old Testament is showing us this reality. And here's what would happen. Once a year, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies with the blood. Yes? And after it was accepted, after God received that blood, that same high priest would come out of the Holy of Holies and come out of the tabernacle and walk to the very door where all of Israel was gathered together to see if the offering was received and accepted. And when it was, he would literally raise his hands and pronounce a blessing from God on the people. And it mattered. And he pronounced a blessing for the whole year, the power of God into your lives because of the blood that was just put on the altar. Amen? That's what he was doing. And that's what the Lord Jesus is doing in your life every day. All day. Every day. He is pouring out that whole new life into you. That whole power, the power of the Holy Spirit changing you, 
moment by moment, day by day. That Hebrews, Hebrews is that promise, that great high priest. When you get to James, we don't have time to go through James. We really just don't have time to go through it. But if you look at the book of James, we have the promise of that great high priest giving you a whole new quality of life in your everyday life. Amen? Let me say this. How many of you, honestly, let's, I just need you, to help, I need you to help yourself by being honest with yourself. How many of you would say, I really believe, I really believe that I have this high priest. I, real, I don't believe the church can save me. I don't believe any church can save me. I really believe that I am saved. My sins are forgiven because of the blood that Jesus Christ shed on the cross for my sins and that it is enough to save me for eternity. Amen? We, amen. That's wonderful. Now, and I believe that only Jesus can change my life and make me what I need to be. Amen? Now, how many of you truly believe that it is God's will that this not be some rare, exceptional thing, but the everyday life from now until it's time to go home? See, that's what the book of James is right there. James says, I know your tongue is terrible. I know the world around you is terrible. I know your lusts are terrible. I know that you have no power in yourself to conquer these things, but your high priest has power to conquer all these things because that's what we learn in the book of James. Then when you turn from James, just turn a couple of pages, now we come to 1 Peter, right? Then in 1 Peter, verse 8, here's what we see in verse 8. Just look at 1 Peter, verse 8. Here's what we find. Here's the promise of 1 Peter. It says, Whom you have not seen, you love. And whom, though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So he receiving, verse 9 says, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. So what we find in 1 Peter is not, listen, this is really important. Not, and notice how God purposes that they build on each other. First you have this great high priest. Don't go into the book of James or any of the other reality epistles without your great high priest. Because you don't have the power to make these things true. And you will need forgiveness all the time. But because of him, you go into the book of James and say, My everyday life, the lusts are conquered by my high priest. My tongue is conquered by the high priest. My selfishness is conquered by the high priest. Praise God for that. That's my everyday life. And then he says, now, by the way, we don't have time to go back. We just studied 1 Peter, right? 1 Peter makes it very, very clear that we will be, verse 6 says, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. So God says this, in your everyday life, there will be terrible things, very difficult tragedies in your everyday life, that the trial of your faith, which is being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he shows you this, that even though you will have tremendous difficulty in your life, you can have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Well, how is that possible? And the answer is that same high priest. Amen? That same high priest. If your circumstances are what matters to you, your circumstances will overcome you. But if Christ is what matters to you, your circumstances cannot overcome you because they are not greater than he is. Your circumstances are greater than I am. You can call me. You can call me anytime you want to. I will come over. I'll cry with you. I will laugh with you. I will sit with you. We can talk. We can do whatever. But I'm not enough. Our sufficiency is not of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. That's what we find out in 2 Corinthians. Our sufficiency is of God. Our Lord Jesus Christ is able. Now, we turn just a couple more pages and we come to 2 Peter. 
And here's what we find out in 2 Peter. You already have seen it in a little bit that we've read. We're going to go back to verse 12, 1 Peter, I mean, excuse, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. But before we do, just flip one page, probably one page, maybe two, depending upon how your Bible is laid out, so you can see the end of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3, the very end of it. Here's a tremendous, the, the terminal points, and we'll look at this together in a couple of weeks. The terminal points really help you to understand this. So here's what you see, verse 17, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. Ye therefore beloved, praise God, beloved. Ye therefore beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Amen? So here's what it says. You can just write this down. Beloved, beware, but grow. Beloved, beware, but grow. Amen? Beloved, beloved. If you're a new creature, beloved, there are people who are going to lie to you. And they're going to, we're going to talk about it. All of chapter 2, all of chapter 2 and most of chapter 3 is devoted to the fact that even though we have the word of God, there are going to be people who will actually use pieces and portions of the word of God to falsely teach things that will destroy your ability to have the victory that God wants you to have. And we need to beware. Don't let just anyone teach you. I remember as a baby Christian being really wonderfully excited about the fact that I was a new creature and I was hungry for the word of God. But here's what happened. There are a great number, and this is much more now. I mean, I would say back in the 80s, back before there were a thousand YouTube channels and a thousand uh, podcasts and all of these things. I can't imagine what garbage there is available to everybody now. Back then there were things that I would go and listen to and be so confused. And say, I don't understand. How does this fit with this? And how does this fit with this? And here's the key. The Word of God. The Word of God. Find godly men who will focus your attention on the Word of God. And not on their pet things. Amen? Not on their clever little doctrines. If, listen, if the focus is on men or even the Holy Ghost, get away from it. Get away from it. The focus will be on the Word of God. The focus will be on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where you need to be. That's what we want. Now, now going back to chapter, we're, gonna, we're just going to wrap up this morning. Go back to chapter 1, verse 12. So here's, here's, here's the, Holy, the Holy Spirit speaking through Peter, and this is what he says. Wherefore, because you need this truth, wherefore, I will not be negligent, to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, as long as I'm on, in the body I'm in right now, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Now, what did you notice? So, first of all, we noticed at the very beginning of this chapter, knowing, 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 knowing. But what's the prominent word right now? Anybody notice? Remembering. 
right? You know this. I want you to what? Remember this. Now, let me ask you, how important do you suppose it is that our children and our grandchildren not only know, but remember? Because when you can, listen, here's what happens. As we grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, as we mature, I was going to pick names. I get myself, you know, it's easy to get yourself in a lot of trouble. I was going to, you know, I was going to pick on, I was just going to pick this guy who has a really large group of people that assemble and he's got a spinning globe going around behind him and he smiles a lot, okay? I I can listen to him for three minutes and I just can't listen anymore. And I don't mean to be mean or unkind when I say that. It's just, it's just wasted nonsense. It's just pleasant platitudes. Do you understand? Exactly. It's not even very entertaining, though, brother, honestly. I'd rather watch a good ball game, amen? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Listen. But, listen, when I was a baby Christian, I might have needed my older brother in Christ to say to me. I might have said, oh, you know what I heard so-and-so say? And my older brother in Christ might say to me, oh, be careful. Be careful where you're fed. Be careful what you hear. Make sure you spend a great deal of time in the Word of God and around godly preachers and teachers. Listen, it matters. So what he's saying is, and this is remarkable. So here's what, the, here's what Peter is saying. I have nothing new to say to you. All I want to remind you of is how great Jesus is and that you need to continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. Did you notice how much of the knowledge in this chapter is about the Lord Jesus himself? Amen? Do you understand that? See, listen, there's a, there is teaching. It's prevalent still in America. It's prevalent right now in America. It's called Gnosticism. And the idea is knowing more than others, the secret knowledge that only a few know. There is no secret knowledge that only a few know. There's the Word of God. Amen? And if you want to know anything, know Christ. Know Christ. If you will know, listen, honestly, if you will trust God implicitly, if you will fear God implicitly, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Because God will lead you to a good Bible-believing church where you can continue to grow in grace. Your children can grow in grace. Your children will not be uh, forced to, to say some magic prayer in a Sunday school class and then be told that they're fine for the rest of their lives, even though they're not fine for the rest of their lives. That is what God wants to accomplish, is that you would know the Lord Jesus himself. And that you would grow in that knowledge to such a degree listen i'm telling you here's what's happened in my life and this, and this is this when people insult god right what i find is this i think i find my i used to get angry i mean as a young christian i just got angry when somebody would insult god when if somebody used the name of the lord jesus in vain it's funny because for somebody who swore like a sailor because i was one i got really angry when they would insult the lord jesus right so if you you know if you you know you i don't want to say them but there are certain phrases that people make what's remarkable is they never use buddha when they say that you understand? They never use Muhammad when they say that. They always use Jesus when they say it. And it just really made me angry. And now, now listen, it doesn't, I'm not pleased with it anymore. But what I realize is this. They're expressing that they're lost. They're expressing just how much they don't know. Do you understand? But I do know. And here's what we find. What does it say? What is it that he's wanting to accomplish in our lives? What are the things he's wanting to add to this divine power that he's given to us? And this is what it says. That we might add to our faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience 
godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. See the progression? And do you see where we're going? Do you see what God is wanting to accomplish in your life? Let me say this, by the way. If this is not what's happening in your life, you're being cheated, or you're not saved. One or the other. If this is not what's happening in your life, if you're not growing, if these things are not becoming the normal every day, every day, every moment of every day, when you, if you're a jerk and it doesn't break your heart, something's wrong. And when you are, that you would confess it immediately to God and even to those that you have offended. Even to, and by the way, primarily it's going to be your family. That I, I have been wrong. I am wrong and I'm sorry. This is not what God wants to accomplish in my life, and I'm sorry. What you're seeing is me before I was a new creature. You're not seeing the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what he wants you to see. Amen? We have to be able to allow these things to so change our lives that people will see this. Now, verse 16, he's going to explain the difference between what they might hear and what they did hear. He wants them to remember, and this is, I'm going to end with this. This will be the end. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Amen? That's quite a testimony, by the way. But notice what he says in verse 19. And boy, is this important. This is, now listen, I need you to give you the context before I read you what's getting ready to be said. This is what he says. I was on the Mount of Transfiguration. Were you? And he says this. Unless you were, unless you were James or John, you weren't. Because I know who was there, because I was there. And I was there, and James was there, and John was there. Jesus was there, God the Father was there, and two guys from the Old Testament were there, and that's not you. Yes? So you weren't there. So listen, for those of you who want to talk about experience, for those of you who want to run over people with your Bible knowledge because of I was saved from a car crash, or I went through this terrible thing, therefore I know God better than you do. No, you don't. Because this is what he says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Greater than Peter's Mount of Transfiguration vision is the word of God as far as Peter's concerned. Because you can forget what happened in your life, but you can't forget what the word of God says because you can go back and look at it again. Amen? We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in the old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Amen? So where did we get our Bible? And the answer is the Holy Spirit gave it to us. Yes? Did he use human instruments to write it? He did. But it isn't from them. It's from him. Now, we're going to find out in chapter 2 next week that our New Testament came the same way that our Old Testament came. And that is the Holy Ghost worked through men that he used to give us our New Testament. Amen? So what can you trust? Honestly, what can you trust? And you say, well, J. Vernon McGee. I think you can trust J. J. Vernon McGee. I really do. But you want to know why you can trust J. Vernon McGee? Because he sticks to the Word. That's why. Amen? Because he sticks to the Word. Listen, not a couple passages. Through the Bible. 
takes five years to do it, by the way. You want to do it? I did it. I was a young Christian. Man, I used to love J. Vernon McGee when I was a baby Christian. Pull over to the side of the road and listen to him. Amen. One week he was preaching about the perfect church. And I thought, man, I've got to find out where this thing is. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. I'm going to move and join that church. And this is what he said. This is what he said. There is no perfect church. And this is what he said after that. And if there was, they wouldn't let you join it anyway. Amen. And boy, did I need that humility. Praise God. Amen. If, and then I realized this. See, because here's what happened. I was beginning to wonder why my deacons weren't more mature than they were because they weren't perfect men. And here's what I realized. I'd been saved for a couple of years, and I hadn't grown like I thought I was going to grow yet. And I was serious-minded, and I spent a lot of time in Bible studies and reading my Bible. I really wanted to grow, but here's what I realized. If Jesus didn't change me, I wasn't being changed. And so that's true in all of our lives, amen? But where does the power for this come from? And the answer is, it's a promise from God through the Spirit of God using the Word of God to change our lives, amen? It's that simple. Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you for giving us these couple of minutes together this morning in your word. And Lord, as we continue this study in 2 Peter, Lord, may we realize, may we, may we realize, beloved, that first we must be beloved. We must be in this beloved Son in whom you are well pleased, that we ourselves can be beloved also. We are beloved because of the blood. Lord, we must first have that. But if we have that, then we can beware of false teachers, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Father, thank you for this. Bless us. Be honored and glorified in all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.